And welcome back to the Joker's Corner. It has been a while. I've been on a little hiatus, to say the least. I've been busy with friends' birthdays, stuff like that, uh, work, and, you know, other video games coming out. I've just been busy. Um, but I'm trying to get back into this and be back on a consistent schedule because I know you guys like to have consistency and a regular schedule when it comes to podcasts and stuff like that. So I'm just going to try and get better at that. But I'm just going to get back into it and starting off with uh, news and rumors. And when we get to the comic book reviews, I'll explain how I'm going to do that and how I'm going to talk about the stuff that I've missed over the past couple, or I haven't missed, but haven't talked about on the podcast for the past couple of weeks and how that whole situation is going to play out for the next like, week or two. Um, but first getting into the news and rumors, we're going to talk about the Spider-Man Far From Home suit reveal. Uh, he was on, I think, I can't remember these talk show hosts, but he was on Jimmy Kimmel and he was in his new suit for the new movie. And it's basically the same thing as like the regular homecoming suit, but it's got black instead of blue and the spider is white or has like a white outline. And I think his suit is just gorgeous. I think it looks really good. I think it has a classic Steve Ditko feel, like in the first Amazing Fantasy number 15 cover. It's his suit more black than blue, or a really, really dark shade of blue to where it's almost black. And uh, I think it just looks really good. And uh, a lot of people are saying that it could be a symbol of like mourning, depending on the ending of Avengers 4 and like who dies and whatnot. So, like, they're saying that it could possibly, and again, this is just a rumor, that it could be the suit's black because he's in mourning of the heroes that were lost in the battle between whoever the villain is of Avengers 4, because apparently it's not just Thanos. Uh, that's just a rumor. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what people are saying. Um, but the interesting thing to go along with this suit reveal is that apparently... Uh, I don't know if anyone, I, I don't know if y'all might have seen it or not, but there was a recent set photo leak where um, he's saving uh, Michelle. And apparently on the set, you can see Michelle mouth the words Peter. So it seems like she knows. And I mean, we already knew she knew because you could tell her what, by how she was in uh, Homecoming and stuff like that. So you know she knew. This is just, conf if this scene is to be believed, uh, of how it was interpreted by people there. Uh, or who got the set photos, um, it could be true. And I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, we've had movies where every single love interest has known he's Spider-Man in some point in time. And I guess what better time to do it than now? And, and she's not dumb. She's not a dumb girl. You can tell she's a smart girl. Um, moving on, the next piece of news we got, uh, it's pretty recent. Even the one, uh, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Ewan Mc Yo, I'm going to say Ewan, Ewan McGregor, the former Obi-Wan Kenobi from the prequels, the best Obi-Wan in my opinion, uh, is joining the Birds of Prey movie by DC as Black Mask, the, the bad guy, which is pretty interesting. It's going to be cool to see him McGregor getting some work again and uh, seeing him in a movie. Uh, but so for the Birds of Prey movie, that means we have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, of course, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as the Huntress. I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but I, would, I don't know if I would have chosen her for the Huntress. I think I would have gone for her for more of a Black Canary character, especially since uh, how she played uh, Ramona from Scott Pilgrim. 
I think she fits uh, Black Canary's personality better than Huntress, but I mean, we'll see. And then uh, this lady known as Journey Smollett Bell is, is going to be Black Canary. I don't know who that is. I can't really say uh, anything about her because I haven't seen, or I, I, I don't even recognize her name at all, so I can't say I've seen anything with her in it. And apparently the director has gone on to say it's going to be a rated R movie. Uh, that's an odd choice. To, of all the DC movies we've had, that's a very odd choice to make a rated R movie. Um, just And it's just who they chose to make rated R. Like the Birds of Prey. I mean, if it was just the Huntress, I could, make, I could understand making a rated R movie. But you have Black Canary, who doesn't really kill people. And then you got... Harley Quinn, who's yeah, is an anti-hero, but they've been trying to make more of a hero, straight-up hero. So that's pretty weird. Um, but I guess we'll wait and see how that's going to turn out. I just hope they don't rush it. I hope they do it right because we DC needs some wins. Um, next piece of news is Falcon and Winter Soldier are apparently going to be getting a team-up series that will be coming to the Disney streaming service. So now that is joining the confirmed Scarlet Witch um, series. And apparently uh, the guy who plays the Vision, Paul Bettany, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's going to be co-starring in that in some sort of capacity. And then the Loki series. And if Disney pulls this off, this would be like the most incredible thing pulled off in like cinema history. We would literally be watching like live action comic book series in a world that's been fully developed. And still going on. And that's like a pretty big achievement, I think. And it's pretty nuts to think about. Like we literally have like a whole comic book world that's taking place. And then we're going to have series with mainstream actors really like who have been in movies, doing TV shows. I mean, that's pretty nuts to think about. Um, And this is pretty old, I think. I think this is pretty old um, because this is back when the James Gunn saga, I think, was in full effect. But uh, I think it's becoming more uh, known about in the news. But apparently uh, a couple Guardians of the Galaxy fans spent over $4,000 on a rehire James Gunn billboard in Anaheim, California. Uh, why'd y'all spend $4,000 on that? Y- y'all could have just protested any other way. Y'all spent $4,000 on a billboard that's only in one location. It's not like it's being seen by millions of people. I mean, I guess it's not, it is because of the internet. But, like, it's not going to work. They're not going to rehire James Gunn over a billboard. It's just not going to happen, especially now that James Gunn is working with uh, DC. But like I said, this is old news, so I doubt they would have spent the $4,000 on it uh, if they they saw that uh, he was joining DC. Um, the next piece of news is a little promo art was released for the Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans Crossover. Uh, I don't really like Teen Titans Go. I saw the Teen Titans Go to the movies um, because I heard there was a rumor that it would show something showing that there will be a Teen Titans season six revival. And there was, it was an after credits scene showing that the Teen Titans, the original Teen Titans TV show characters were still like around and they're trying to make their way back. So I think this is the payoff for that. And depending on how it goes, I'm hoping that Teen Titans, the original one, not Teen Titans Go, get a season six because that would be dope. Uh, we really, 
left on a terrible cliffhanger. I don't, I don't like it when shows end on cliffhangers because it's not a conclusion. You just be, you're just left with questions for years that might never get answered. So I need a season six just so we can end the series properly and not have a cliffhanger ending, or just come back as a series completely and just have more seasons because I don't see if it's still profitable. I don't see why not make it. Um, then we got 13 Reasons Why star Catherine Langford has joined uh, the cast of Avengers 4 and the suspected role that everyone's thinking she's going to be is uh, Kate Bishop, uh, the other female Hawkeye. Um, and a little fun rumor to go along with this is there's rumors that a Hawkeye Disney streaming service show is going to be joining uh, the three I mentioned before and that would be like uh, what's the actor's name? The regular guy Hawkeye training this 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 new Kate Bishop character. Um, I think a lot of people have been saying that that's what they want in a Hawkeye show. So I think that and just adapt um, Matt Fraction's run. So I think that that's the best course of action for Hawkeye's character after Avengers Four, because we already know he's going to be in Avengers Four. He'll just be known as Ronan instead of Hawkeye. Um, next piece of news we got uh, apparently. Uh, Joaquin's Phoenix Joker look has been based off of the unused Dark Knight concept art. And it's funny because I, I can't remember if I've said it on this or not. I can't I, I don't know if I recorded it. I'm pretty sure I did though. But um, when Joaquin Phoenix's Joker look first came out, I said that uh, it looks got like a mix between uh, Cesar Romero's and uh, Heath Ledger's Joker look. And apparently... His look is based off of unused Dark Knight concept art. So I think it just supports my idea more. I think we're going to, if this movie does well, I think they're going to try and be like, hey, Christian Bale, look, people are really digging this Joker. We can do another uh, movie with the Christian Bale Batman, you know, or if they don't even bring Christian Bale, bring back... uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the new Batman to fight uh, the returning Joker. Because uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, I don't know, I can't remember what they say in like the concept books. They say there's like a book that you got in like, um, in like this like collector's edition or whatever, I think. And it says something what happened to the Joker, like the Joker was there during uh, Dark Knight Rises or whatever, or he escaped or something like that. So I would just, uh, like I said, if this, if, this just supports my idea that they could be using this as a, and if people uh, like it, be like, Hey, Joseph Gordon Levitt, do you want to continue on the uh, dark Knight saga and uh, be the new Batman or possibly be Nightwing and uh, fight the uh, Joe Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I think that'd be a really cool idea to continue on with that world. And then maybe one day if uh, Christian Bale ever wants to having like a, Batman Nightwing team up movie to take down the Joker or something like that. I think it'd be really cool. Um, and the last piece of news I'm going to talk about is the set photos of Robot Man and Negative Man that were revealed. I think it's for the, uh, I think the Titans show is going to have a like a series like a um, like an episode where they meet the Doom Patrol. You know, like how like the the CW CW uh, the CW DC shows. Uh, when they were going to do the Flash, they introduced the green him on the Green Arrow first. Uh, so I think that's what they're going to do with this. They're going to introduce the Doom Patrol first on the Titans show, 
which I still haven't watched yet. I gotta get I have to get around to watching that. Um I haven't gotten the DC app yet. No the DC streaming service yet because I'm waiting for um Young Justice to come out before I spend seventy five dollars on a streaming service I'm not even sure is worth it because of a show that uh I'm not sure is even good. So I'm gonna wait on that until I know I feel more comfortable so like giving my money on something I'm going to enjoy instead of something I'm taking a chance on enjoying. But uh they look awesome. They look really, really good, especially Negative Man. I really I mean Robot Man looks really good. I, I'm not gonna say Robot Man doesn't look as good as Negative Man, but like I just dig Nick Negative Man's like design. So I really like how they they're the set photo looks incredible. So I'm I can only imagine how it's gonna look in uh actual motion. And even like I said, Robot Man. I think Robot Man is being played by uh, Brand Fraser, or uh, I don't know, the Fraser guy, whatever his name is. Uh, he looks he looks pretty dope too. So like I said, like I'm I'm very excited for the, the Doom Patrol show. So whichever one comes out first, Doom Patrol or uh, Young Justice, that's when I'll get the DC streaming service app, and uh, I'll start. I don't know if I'll review those shows, but I'll at least talk about them more in depth in depth and not say anything stupid because I haven't watched or anything like that yet. And then maybe I'll talk about Titans once I've gotten the DC streaming service, if it's good. Um, I haven't really heard anybody talk about it that much or say anything positive. Mostly that's still kind of like a mixed bag. Mostly like I haven't heard say anything to say it's like, Oh, it's really, really good. But I haven't heard anyone say it's like straight up awful. Of course you hear like those people who are like on the far, like, who hate it, who are just like, oh my God, you look stupid. You got the, the they don't like the Anna Diop Starfire or whatever, which isn't really the problem, but I'm, I'm going to have to wait to find out if Titans is any good. I'm excited that they had Jason Todd in it, but I don't know if that's a strong enough, uh, yeah, they've, they've been, the, the rumor, the, the stuff that I've, I know about the show already doesn't really fill me with confidence. And that's kind of why I'm not really showing any interest in it. Like the fact that their Batman is a killer or something like that. I think they said that Bat the Bat this Batman in Titans is a killer, and that's why Dick Grayson was like, "I don't agree with your uh, methods or whatever." But my thing is like the whole dynamic between Batman and Jason Todd was that Jason Todd was a like a hothead, and like he always went he went to further extremes. If if Batman's already a murderer, how far can Jason really really go to piss batman off because if he's killing people jason todd has every right to kill people too because hey you're my trainer i'm just doing what you do so i don't know i hope that's not true i have to watch the show again like i said but that's just what i'm hearing so i doesn't it doesn't it does not really fill me with confidence um and that's it for the news next we're going to get into the comic book reviews and how i'm going to do this is how I'm just going to do the ones that I've read like recently, like yesterday and some of it today. And, um, and then I'll sprinkle in like one or I'll go over the major plot points from the last issues. The ones before that I didn't cover on the podcast that affect uh, the ones I am covering on this one. And then I'll do one uh, old one from previous weeks and then next week will be a different setup and i'll just explain it that way i'll explain it then 
Because um, I, I want to talk about Batman Beyond because Batman Beyond is still really good. They got the joke coming back, but I don't have that in my notes for today. That will just be on a different day. Um, so the first review we're going to get into is Spider-Geddon number two. Writer is Christos Gage and art is Hori. I always pronounce these guys' names terribly. Um, Jorge Molina, Molina or something like that. Um, but first, the major plot points from the last issue was using the cloning tech that uh, the superior octopus was using. Um, three of the inheritors were able to clone new bodies for themselves. Uh, Moreland was one of them, and he went off to fight Spider-Man of the universe, the six one six universe. He went off to fight him because he's still holding a grudge that he beat the that Pete beat him. And uh, that fight is happening in a tie-in to this series. And I'm not really going to go over the tie-ins. I mean, unless something major happens, and I am reading the tie-ins, but I don't think they're worth it for the review. But if something major does happen in the tie-ins, I'll explain to that and how it affects the main series as a whole. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, like I said, they cloned new, three of the inheritors, cloned new bodies. Morlin went to fight Spider-Man. Um, and the other two killed Spider-Man Noir and Spider-Man UK, who came with a team of Spider-People, which consisted of the Superior Octopus of Earth-616, uh, Miles Morales of 616, Spider-Punk Kobe Brown of Earth-138, Spider-Gwen of Earth-65, um, Spider-Woman, which uh, is Mayday Parker of Earth-982, and Octavia Otto, who is a female hero, Dr. Octopus. I didn't get where she's from. And then Spider Ham, which is from Earth three one eight three one one. Um, but yeah, the issue opens up right after the two inheritors killed Spider Man UK and Spider Man Noir, and the Spire, the red the remaining Spider People team attack the inheritors while Superior Octopus sets off his base's self destruct protocol. Uh, there was a really funny joke about uh, everybody's calling Doc Ock a villain. He's like, "Oh, you're a villain, so there must be." Uh, Okay, so Spider Hammer's like, "Oh, you're a villain. Do like, what do you, what would you do in this situation?" And he's like, "I'm not a villain. I'm a superior hero than all of you." And Spider Gwen's like, "Stop it. We don't have time for this. Do you have a self destruct sequence in your, uh, in your base?" And he's like, "Of course I do." And then it's just funny because that's what that's literally what super villains do. Like heroes don't have self destruct functions in their bases. Um, it's just really funny to see uh, Doc Ock be like, kind of like forced to be like a hero and do, but he's still doing like villainous stuff. It's just funny. Um, next, Spire Gwen, after they're, they're fighting and whatnot, Spire Gwen sac- stays behind so uh, the rest of the Spire team can escape and trap the, I'm just going to call them vampires. I don't like saying inheritors. It's a very annoying name. And that's basically what they are. They're just spider vampires. Uh, they're trying to trap them in the explosion. Unfortunately, her sacrifice was in vain as the inheritors stole her uh, her little watch teleporter thing she got from the first Spider-Verse event. And another thing I'm really confused about is when did Spider-Gwen's costume become a symbiote? Like, I'm very far behind on uh, Spider-Gwen's like comic history. I'm just very curious when. I know there was a Gwenum event. I thought they would have gotten rid of the symbiote, but I guess they want to give her all the fan service. So her costume is now a symbiote. Um, but anyway, two of the inheritors were able to uh, take her watch, get out of the explosion. But also before the explosion happened, they were able to con- clone the rest of their family and then escape. Uh, the two opposing teams retreat to their own bases to regroup, the inheritors to work on their cloning base, and the Spire people to come up with a plan on how to fight these people. 
Uh, the spider people argue over who they should go for go to for help, and in doing so, whether or not they should kill the vampires, which is very interesting because uh, Spider Punk uh, actually agrees with Doc Ock that they should be killing um, the vampires because the, the whole reason they're in their mess this mess now is because they didn't in the Spider Verse event. Um, but Miles Morales is like, oh, we need to get Peter. Like he want he led us to victory last time. He can do it again. And of course, Doc Ock is like. No, like I'm way superior than him. He's the whole reason we're in this mess to begin with. Because if we had killed them, we wouldn't even be in this mess. Um, so they, but the the uh, Karn, the Master Weaver, he tells the group to go get uh, who they think would be best. And after the team disperses, one of the inheritors appears to battle Karn, and it ends in his death. Uh, the issue ends with the Superior Octopus becoming the Superior Spider-Man again, which is really cool. I really like. The Superior Spider-Man. I hope his comic, which if it continues to be a comic book, I'm not sure if it's just a tie-in comic, but if it continues on to be a comic book, I hope he stays as the Superior Spider-Man. And uh, Spider-Gwen wakes up on Earth 3109, not knowing where she is. Uh, I would give this a 7.5 out of 10. There's just really more plot, plot but it's fun to see all the spider people bounce off each other like i said there was that funny interaction where uh, everybody was calling doc ock a villain and stuff like that i really enjoy stuff like that and i'm really excited to see certain people interact with one another because um in this issue they weren't to go like i said they went to go get the people they feel were best for this fight and um of course doc ock is going for spider people that don't have a problem with killing and of course we know that Kane, uh, the other spider clone, doesn't have a problem with killing people if it's necessary. Um, and he was like, oh, we should get Ben Riley. He's familiar with the uh, the cloning technology. And uh, Superior Spider-Man's like, no, like, he's a madman. Like, he's was, he was using the Jackal and all that stuff during the um, new clone saga thing, the uh, clone conspiracy. And just as they're leaving in the portal... Uh, the Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, he swings in after them. He's like, "Oh, they're using my tech. That's not. I'm not letting people use my tech." So I was, it's really interesting. I haven't. I'm kind of behind on Scarlet Spider, so I don't know. Like the last time I read anything about him, he was like kind of a douchebag. Like he was kind of a bad guy mostly. But I don't know if he's changed or anything like that. But I mean, Kane said he's changed, so I have to believe that. That's all I have to go on. But I, I I'm very curious to see. Uh. Pete's and Peter Parker and uh, 616 interacting with Ben Riley again and seeing because Ben Riley was really the bad guy of the, the clone conspiracy. So I want to see how they interact seeing each other again and if they're going to be friends again because they were like brothers when they when Ben Riley was in his heyday. So I, I really want to see that relationship uh, again. Um, but they were they kind of left on bad notes in the clone conspiracy. Like, Ben Riley was about to resurrect uh, Uncle Ben, so that was, that's a pretty much big no-no in Pete's book. Um, but yeah, like I said, 7.5 out of 10. Um, next one is The Amazing Spider-Man number 8, Legacy number 809, with writer Nick Spencer and artist Humberto Ramos. Um, the story opens up with Spidey in Freefall, and it was apparently unintentional, but before we can find out how he ended up in this predicament, we go into a flashback where they're going to explain how he ended up in this predicament. Uh, we find a man from a firm is talking to this woman named Odessa Drake at some club. The dude is trying to propose some shady business with her, and she reveals to him that she's a part of the Thieves Guild and that everyone in the club is also a part of that guild. 
and that they're there for the trial for his crimes for now paying his earnings to some fountain or something like that. I don't know about the Thieves Guild. I'm sorry. I'm not, like I said, I'm not knowledgeable about a lot of, not a lot of stuff, like, but a lot of like obscure stuff. I've heard the names of the Thieves Guild before. I'm assuming they're kind of like uh, the League of Assassins, like in Batman, but uh, just thievery, not really assassinating. Um, and I don't know about this fountain thing. I guess this guy used them and needed their help, and I guess they needed to. Um, he needed to pay them back, and he did. He never did. Um, the story switches over to Peter and Mary Jane. That's uh, this thing called Smorgasburg event, the Smorgasburg event, or whatever. And they're talking about their job hunting progress. Mary Jane explains that she's looking for something more permanent than she's had in the past. And while they're doing, having this conversation, Peter gets a call from Iron Man. And uh, he puts his mask on and answers and learns from Tony uh, that someone is stealing all the hero's equipment. Like, for example, Tony got his armor stolen, like all of his armor. I'm not talking like he's got all of his armor stolen. Cap got his st- uh, shield stolen and Thor lost his hammer. Um, and Tony admits that he wouldn't have called... Uh, if what was going on didn't affect everyone. And the reason he says this is because everyone is still mad at uh, Spider-Man because Kingpin, while he's being the mayor, is being like super friendly with Spider-Man saying, oh, he's such a great guy. And everyone's like, oh, what? Like, you know this guy's shade. Like, why are you letting him like up you up? Um. Uh, anyway, so the story comes full circle back to the beginning and we find out the reason why he's in free fall because the Thieves Guild somewhere during all the chaos or wherever uh stole spider-man's web shooters and um luckily black cat was swinging by and saved him however unluckily she's still holding a grudge against him when from when um doc ock was still in control of peter parker's body and he got her arrested and so she's again she he's tried multiple times to explain to her that it wasn't him it was doc ock but she doesn't really believe him so she attacks him with her claws as the issue ends. Um, let me give this rating an 8 out of 10. Some really solid stuff. Uh, I'm really digging the feel of like street-level Spider-Man stories again. It gives me that 90s like cartoon nostalgia. So it's really good. I'm really digging that. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for the next one. I'm really excited. I'm really interested in the Thieves Guild. Like I haven't, Again, like I said, I, I've heard the name before, but I'm not that knowledgeable. And they were really cool in this one. I'm very interested in how they pulled off stealing all their equipment like pretty much right in front of them like they never there's really never a moment shown where they could have stolen it so i'm really curious on how they did that i guess they're that good at at thievery um moving on we're going to have uh daredevil uh issue number 610 with writers charles soul and artist phil noto this is part of their um this is part of at least charles soul's final run on the character um the death of daredevil uh, the major plot points from the last issue, uh, Matt saving a kid from being hit by a truck, but ended up being hit by the truck, which is like a callback to his uh, origin. Um, it sent him to the hospital. He survived somehow using like ninja meditation or something like that. He survives and decides that since life is so short, he needs to bring down the kingpin now. Um, he tells his team of Cypher, Reader, and Frank McGee that he's Daredevil and they need to do this the vigilante way. Um and not the by the book way that they were trying to do before. Um, and that issue ended with Matt coming home to find Electra in his bed. Uh, and that's where the story opens up with. And Matt and Electra are getting intimate. And afterwards, Matt realizes that she's still there when normally she could have left without him knowing. 
So he asks her to stay and join his team, which she does. Um, after Matt introduces the team to Electra, they come up with a plan to kidnap Kingpin's right hand man, Wesley. And if I'm remembering correctly, wasn't Wesley one of the wasn't Wesley uh the Kingpin's right hand man in the Netflix show, like in season one before he got killed? I'm pretty sure his name was Wesley. But anyway, uh we next see them in the middle of their in the middle of their plan and they're in the middle of a car chase, and I'm just gonna try and set up the scene because it was nuts. Like it's just nuts to think about. So you have the dare all right, so you have Frank riding his inhuman hover his 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 inhuman hover bike while Electra is on top of Wesley's guy's car, and Reader, his dog Forai and Daredevil are in a car holding um this Wesley guy hostage while they're driving trying to get away. With Reader driving, using his powers to see out of four eyes' his eyes, it, it's a nuts thing to see, like visually, and it's it's it was very cool. Like it's I'm really cool art. I'm very impressed with Phil Noto's art in this book, um, as I've always been. Um, anyway, after Reader turns the road into glue to stop uh, the car chasing them, which also sends Electra flying to land on top of their car, before they can pull over, their car wheels pop causing them to crash. They survive thanks to reusing his last uh, reading ability for the day um, to put up a shield. Uh, Daredevil reveals that the tires have been popped due to a weapon thrown by an assassin that uh, came after him previously. And Elektra introduces the idea that Fisk put out a hit on Wesley after finding out about the kidnapping since the assassin threw a dagger at Wesley that Elektra was able to deflect. Uh, they chase the assassin into this church and the assassin is revealed to be someone calling himself the Vigil. I'm assuming the vigil could possibly be um, Matt's um, Matt's brother slash fake brother, I guess you can call it that. Um, but anyway, the vigil fights Daredevil and Electra, and right before Electra can kill him, Daredevil stops her. Um, you know, because he's Daredevil, and the vigil capitalizes on this opportunity and kills Wesley. Uh, the issue ends with Electra saying that she made a mistake and that she'll remember Matt and leaves. Uh, I'm going to give this one an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, great issue with great visuals. And it was really fun seeing Electra involved in this arc because she's, I won't say she's been like a major character, but she's been a recurring character in this, this Charles Souls run. So it was nice to see her in like his final, his final piece of this, of his Daredevil run. Uh, the next two issues are going to be back-to-back. I'm going to do a full review on Extermination number three and a full review of Extermination number four. The only reason I'm doing that is because, like, I've been doing that since the get-go on this podcast. So it's like I need to finish up with it completely. I, it's just a nervous – like, not a nervous tick, but, like, I'm pretty anal about those things. So it's just – he's going to have to deal with it. Uh, anyway, so uh, – Extermination number one. I mean, extermination number three. Writer is Ed Brisson. Ed Brisson and artist is Pepe Larraz, as it will be in extermination number four. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, the story opens up where we left off in the last issue. Young Beast is about to turn is about to be torn to shreds by Old Man Logan, but older, bluer Beast saves him. Um, everyone is wondering how Old Man Logan became a hound of Ahab, and Ahab explains it's because of the two young mutants. The uh, the young X-Men team saves the beginning of this, the beginning of this limited series or whatever. It turns out those two little mutants can manipulate emotions and implant psychic bombs with years of torture instead of actually having to go through the whole process of torturing them for years. 
Um, after the explanation, he snaps his fingers and Nightcrawler becomes a hound and attacks young Cyclops at Cerebro, like Cerebro, like like the ocean. While Shatterstar, <sighs> Shatterstar attacks young Jean Grey and, and uh, who's on uh, X Force's jet. Back at the mansion, Ahab is still trying to kidnap young Beast, but ultimately fails um, after young Cable gets some first. So Ahab and the Hounds leave the X Mansion, having no longer a reason to be there. After older Green, uh, after older Jean Grey saves young Cyclops, it looks like he's still not in group shape due to the pressure of being under the water due to Nightcrawler's attack. He like teleported uh, himself and Cyclops into the ocean, and you know they're really deep, so like the pressure of the ocean like kept crushing him. Um, anyway, on X Force's jet, uh, after they deal with. Shatterstar, Domino tells young Jean that she knows that Jean knows that they're going to kill older Cable's killer and basically tells her, like, don't get in their way. Uh, Jean Grey's like, if you're done lecturing me, I'm not trying to stop you. Just you're going the wrong way. Um, And the issue ends with the X-Force and young Jean breaking into young Cable's lair. Um... And Cable call. And it looks like Cable's calling Jean Grey Oath. I don't know what that is, but um, as far as extermination number three, at my time of reading it, I gave it a solid eight point eight out of ten. Uh, it was a actually packed issue, and it still left me with a lot of questions. Mainly being like, why is Young Cable calling the Young X Men by different names? Uh, he was calling Angel Calvin Rankin, and then now he's calling Jean Grey Oath. And I'm very curious about, like, is this not a younger version of Cable from 616? Like, is this a different universe Cable? Um, hang on one second, because I think Extermination Number 4 gave me an answer of who Calvin Rank is. Calvin Rankin. Let's see if I'm right. Because if not, it's still really confusing. Okay. That makes sense now. All right. Um, anyway, uh, extermination number four. The story opens up with Ahab and his hounds on their ship above Cerebro. Ahab explains that all they have to do is kill young Cyclops and their mission will be a success. Meanwhile, X-Force along with Jean Grey are fighting young Cable, who explains to them that older Cable wasn't doing his job and was risking the future because of it. Uh... He explains to them that because of them being there, they're not there in the past for the important battles that they're needed. So that's changing up the timeline so extremely that they're going to speed up the process of getting Ahab's people there, um, which is going to mess up the mutant population completely. Uh, they don't believe, well, the X-Force members don't believe him because they have, uh, he has Angel hung up and she had taken the cosmic fire wings out of him and put new angel wings on him and he got those angel wings from uh mimic and that is who calvin rankin is i could not remember who calvin rankin is but i know his name i know mimic i i, I don't know why i didn't know his actual name but anyway uh he's one of like the og like x-men villains and he could like mimic the or he mimicked the original x-men's powers he's basically like the super scroll uh, when he copied the Fantastic Four powers, but he's just like the X Men version of it. Uh, 
so anyway, that's where he got the angel wings. He had taken the wings that Mimic used and mimicked off of Angel and put them onto Angel. So he has like regular feather wings now. Uh, but Young Cable explains to them that he needs to send them back as they were. He couldn't send Angel back with cosmic fire wings. Uh, uh, he ends up opening up his mind to show Jean Grey that he's telling the truth. Uh, and she's like, okay, yeah, you're telling the truth. The scene transitions to show Ahab and his hound attacking Cerebro to take out young Cyclops. And uh, the X-Men fight Ahab and the hounds. And during the fight, Cyclops wakes up. And since he's still full of rage due to the death of Bloodstorm, he attacks Ahab. And the issue ends with Ahab driving a spear through uh, Scott's head, seemingly killing him. And this was a wild issue. I was not expecting uh, Scott to be killed by Spear, of all things. Uh, so it was a shock ending, and it got me hyped for the conclusion. Uh, overall, I'm giving it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, we still got... I can still make this a little work. So we are going to talk about now... And plus, we didn't have any DC books in here, so we can only be fair to DC going to talk about Batman Beyond number 24, uh, writer Dan Jurgens with art by Will Conrad. Shout out to the uh, variant cover artist Dave Johnson. Like, I seriously went out and like bought a physical copy of his, uh, of his uh, variant cover because it was so good. Um, it really looks gorgeous. If you haven't seen it yet, just Google it. It looks really good. Like Batman Beyond issue number 24, variant cover by art. Uh, by Dave Johnson. It's gorgeous. Like, it's so dope. Um, like, I really, I legit have it. It's like my favorite thing in the world now. Um, anyway, this issue opens up exactly three minutes, 24 seconds earlier from where we left off in the last issue. And I personally just want to say, I find it slightly humorous that Dan Jurgens has detailed his story so well down to, that he's got it memorized to the second. But anyway, it opens up with Melanie Walker walking uh, around the chaos of the Scarecrow fear control mob trying to kill Batman. Ironically enough, Melanie is confronted by Dana, who is also under the control of Scarecrow. Uh, before the catfight can really start, the Batmobile blows up and Melanie, uh, using this as a distraction, goes off to help Batman. And uh, Old Man Wayne is trying to wake up Batman after figuring out Scarecrow's fear trickery is being done with electronics. And he's trying to wake Batman up because he's falling to his doom from last issue of Robin taking out his flight kill abilities. And just, just like I said, I'm really sorry, everyone, but Melanie, now in her ten attire, comes in her flying card and saves Batman. Uh, after Batman fills ten in on the events of the last couple issues, Robin attacks him. Um, meanwhile, Jack Ryder, the Creeper, uh, after discovering Adeline is the Scarecrow. In the last issue, lets Bruce know how his theory on how Scarecrow is spreading fear is correct. Bruce is trying to jam the signal of the Scarecrow, but Robin is bombarding Batman, who's protecting an unconscious 10 with explosives. Uh, Batman comes to the conclusion the only way to save himself and 10 is just to take off his mask, revealing his face to try and reach his brother. And it works long enough for Bruce to jam the signal. Um, but in doing so, he revealed himself to uh, Melanie that Terry and Batman are the same person. Uh, 
But yeah, this plan works and it works long enough. Bruce jammed the signal and just in time because the GCPD was coming in with missiles. Uh, Batman breaks into Adeline's base and after he takes out a fear control rider, he lets him get through to Adeline who has completely like had like a psychotic breakdown. Um, back at the Wayne Manor, a new Batman, a new Bat family is being born when Melanie, who is, like I said, now knows the full secret is welcomed albeit reluctantly by Bruce into their world. Uh, the issue ends with Adeline, who's now in Arkham and is going nuts, calling Batman a monster and her Nork store roommate agrees and tells her when he gets out, he'll be happy to deal with him for her. And thanks to, uh, and thanks to our little preview of the next issue, we will be, it will be a very special anniversary issue with the return of the Joker. And uh, I'm going to review that one already has come out. I'm going to review that one next next podcast um uh but for this issue i give it a nine out of ten it was cool it was a cool conclusion and melanie finally knows that terry's batman uh i'm excited for the joker to return um and how exactly he plans to deal with batman like i said dan jurgen is just killing it on batman rebirth he is absolutely killing it um i really hope will conrad continues on as artist for this book because it just feels epic with him on it like it's really nice art so i really hope he stays on it but like I said, nine out of ten, and I think that's all I'm gonna get to today. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Well, since I have been gone for a while, I'm just gonna just try and fill y'all in on what I've seen and what my thoughts on were certain of uh, certain things for a little bit before I go. Um, first off, I saw Venom. It was a much better movie than I thought it was gonna be. Like I thought it was gonna be straight dog shit. Uh, I really did. Um, I thought it was gonna be awful. I was like, how are you gonna pull off Venom without Spider Man? How are you gonna do like that whole thing? But they managed to pull it off. I mean, it's not a great movie. Like, it's not a, like a movie that's like should be Oscar worthy or something like that. But it's a really fun movie. I really had a lot of fun with that movie. Uh, and honestly, Tom Hardy was the best part of the movie, which is important considering he's the main character. Uh, I can't. I'm actually very excited for Venom too. I'm excited for Carnage. Uh, it's funny because the end credit scene again. This is this movie's been out for like two weeks now. Like, I'm fine to talk about spoilers, and I'm just really talking about the end credit scene. It's it's really funny because they they show Cletus Cassidy played by Woody Harrelson, and he's wearing this wig, and it's funny because it's the wig looks like classic '90s Carnage, like classic uh, '90s Cletus Cassidy, but um. But uh, it's just funny because that wig was awful, but it's it's really comic book accurate. I just find it very funny. Like, I can't believe they actually would. Like, of all things to be comic accurate about, they chose to give him, like, a terrible red wig. I thought they were just giving him, like, a, like I thought he was going to be bald, like Woody Harrelson actually is, or they were going to give him, like, a small wig with red hair. But they went full-out comic accurate red wig hair, which is very cool. Uh Another thing is I saw the Dark Phoenix trailer. Uh, I'm not excited for the Dark Phoenix movie, honestly. Like After finding out January 1st, uh, the X-Men and Fantastic Four rights are officially Marvel's, officially. 
Um, there's really no movie for the Dark. There's really no reason for the Dark Phoenix movie. It honestly it just looks like X Men Three: The Last Stand with a new coat of paint. And X Men Three: The Last Stand is awful. Uh, I'm probably still gonna go see Dark Phoenix just to see how everything comes to an end. But like it, it, it's I'm not holding out hope for like a, a thing to knock me off my feet or to change the movie industry as a whole or anything like that. Uh, something I am excited about though is the Spider Verse trailer uh, that came out recently. The the second one that had uh, Spider Ham and uh, Spider Man Noir and Penny Parker. Uh, yes, Penny Parker is in this movie. I'm very excited for her. Um, it was really it's it that trailer was really fun. You have uh, Spider Ham talking about do animals talk on this earth? It, I don't want to freak them out. It was it was really cool. I'm very excited for this movie. December cannot come fast enough. It will be. It's going to be a dope movie. Um, the last thing I want to talk about. It's going to be a little. I don't know. I won't say controversial. I mean, it's not that controversial. It's just my opinion. But apparently, re- not recently, a while back, uh, Zack Snyder. I don't know if he did an interview or he came out and said something about having an original uh, a plan when he was doing the DCEU. His original plan was to kill Batman. And I just want to say to all the Zack Snyder fans out there, and I know there are a lot of them, how do y'all continue to support this man? Like, I, and this, again, I want to be clear. This has nothing to do with his, uh, his family or his, like, nothing like that. This has nothing to, like, I'm not attacking him as a person. I'm attack, I, like, I'm not even attacking him. I'm just critiquing the fact that he chose, he thought it was a good idea to kill Batman. Literally DC's bread and butter in the DCEU of like, you can't kill a character immediately in the next movie that they're in. Like you can't do that. Like you would have had Batman V Superman, the justice league. And I don't know if he would have killed him off in the justice league or the justice league part two, but like, you can't kill someone off in like two, three movies and think and expect it to have any meaning. That's what happened with man of steel. I mean, with Superman, you had him in man of steel and then you had Batman V Superman. Then you just killed him in Batman V Superman. His death didn't mean anything. I was supposed to have cried at Superman's death, and I didn't. Like I did not care. I could have cared less. I was this. This is this is just garbage. And again, Zack Snyder. I know he has a lot of fans, but he is. He doesn't. He just didn't understand the characters. Like I just need. I wish everyone understood that and just moved on. Like he's he he isn't the be all end all of the DC of DC movies. Like he wasn't. He, he wasn't that great. Like honestly, it's, it's time to move on. Um, and okay, I'm also gonna I'm gonna end on this. I'm gonna end on this. Uh, Batman. Okay, so DC's Black Label book, uh, Black Label printing, uh, recently started, and the first thing that came out for it was uh, Batman Damned, and in Batman Damned number one, uh. Uh, Batman's getting undressed in the Batcave, and you see like the silhouette, or like I, I can't, I don't, I'm not sure, but you see bat the bat penis, like you see it, and apparently people like freaked out, and like it was like, oh my god, like you see Batman's penis, yada yada. I'm like, it's it's ridiculous. Like people grow up, like it's 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 a comic book, like you're looking at a fictional character's penis, like it's 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 not that big of a deal. Like we're like be a, be a, be mature, honestly, like. Like the Black Label book is um, supposed to be like kind of like Marvel's Max and Marvel Max series. Like you had a like when you went to go buy it, um, you couldn't get it unless you were of age, and that's literally what uh, this book 
was. It's one of those books. You have to, you when you go there, you have to be of age to get this book or you can't buy it unless you go on to it on a uh, digital. But you know, that's just the run around for all things, honestly. But anyway, it, people blew up about it. I'm like, you look more like an idiot making jokes about it than you do like just being mature and just being like, all right, this is art. This is like, cause I mean, like you got to think about it. like I was, um, there's these guys on YouTube called comic pop and they were talking about it. And, um, one of the, the girl on there said, uh, I'm sorry, the woman, she's a girl. I'm not gonna call it a girl. The woman on there said, uh, that in Greek culture, they figured the, the like the human body as like a work of art. And that's why you see statues where they're naked and you show everything. And it's like, if, Comics are a form of art. This should be acceptable too. I'm not saying I'm not trying to like be like full on nudity all the time or anything like that. I'm not trying to get off to comic books or anything like that. But I'm just saying if there are scenes where it progresses the story, like yeah, like Batman got home and he took off his suit. Like that's just a progression of the story. That's moving the story forward. Albeit it might be unnecessary to some people, but like in real life, you come home. You, you take off your clothes, you shower, and like you're naked when you're taking off your clothes. Like, you, are we just assuming Batman's never naked? Like, it, it's just, it's something small. Like, it's, just, yeah, it might have been an, an unnecessary detail, but again, this is a, like, a, I'm ba- this is basically a radar comic book, and in radar things, you see stuff. Like, it's, it's, people just need to stop being immature people, honestly. And that's, that's just my opinion on the whole bat penis controversy. It's a little old, but I just wanted to give my two cents on it. Since I've been gone for a while, I'm trying to make this show a little bit lengthier since uh, I've been gone for a while. But yeah, that's the show for today. I'm going to try, like I said, I'm going to try and get this to be back on track. Um, so yeah, just uh, again, uh, if you have any questions for me about comic books that you want to be answered on uh, this podcast, don't feel free to message, to DM me on Twitter and on Instagram at Marvel Kid AJ and ask me any combo question and I'll answer them on uh, the podcast. Also, you can put in uh, apparently what I'm recording on uh, uh, anchor.fm. You can send in video, uh, not video, uh, audio. And that could be um, some audio questions. And I'm, I'll try and put the audio into the podcast so that way y'all can to hear your voices on the podcast and then I'll answer your question or whatever. Uh, you know, just if, if you want, you don't have to, uh, be greatly appreciated though. Get the show be longer. Um, so yeah, have a great day. I'm back. I'm going to try and make this a consistent thing. I'm back and, uh, have a great day and enjoy comics. The podcast you just heard was published with anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.